Welcome, friends, to the True Myth Media Podcast, a journey of film and faith. I'm your host, Michael McDonald. And I'm Seth Steele. And this week, we will be discussing Rise of Skywalker, Uncut Gems, and all the movies we've been watching over the holidays this year. First, uh, we wanted to say thank you to Chris Geisley of the Veracity Hill Podcast. Uh, They uh, gave us a shout-out on their show and their conversation about Rise of Skywalker. So we'll include a link to that in the show notes uh, this week so that uh, if you want to listen to that mention... Uh, and check out what they're doing over there. Uh, you have the opportunity to do that. Uh, thanks so much for uh, reaching out to us and uh, letting us know that you did that, Chris. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, uh, last week had a conversation with Josh Cortade. You weren't able to make it. Yeah, but, sorry. I got called into work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we actually saw Rise of Skywalker opening night. You and I did at, mm-hmm. uh, at different theaters. Yep. <laughs> so we were, like, texting back and forth. Um and I, I think this this particular episode of Rise of Skywalker of our uh, discussion, of, discussion Rise of, of Rise of Skywalker will focus a little more on our problems with the movie because <laughs> Josh obviously had a little more positive opinion of it. We talked a little bit more about the history of Star Wars and what it meant to us growing up and that kind of thing. But man, first reactions. I mean, like we were texting each other as soon as this movie was done. Yeah, I think the first text I got from you was and this is gonna be a very spoiler filled discussion here was the dead speak (laughs) yes oh man i I could not stop laughing like okay if the first sentence of the opening scrawl makes me burst out laughing uh, like and i don't know like it was it was serious laughter that like came directly out of my mouth and i was like oh man this is gonna be a rough movie (laughs) like that was my initial reaction yeah um uh me too like uh especially uh like the idea of Palpatine coming back, I talked about this last week. I don't really have a problem with that because it's it's uh, it's epic, operatic, uh, like mythological, you know, recursive uh, bad guys coming back over and over again. I don't have a problem with that in theory. I just wish they would have set it up in the first two movies. <laughs> that the execution is so poor because you've had no mention of him, and then they basically drop the news that he's going to be in the movie in a trailer, yeah. and then. And like, then the opening scrawl is like, oh, he's back. <laughs> yeah, even though, like, the opening scene, like, I thought actually really worked with him as far as, like, kind of communicating the idea that he's the ancient evil that mm-hmm. has come back, um, you know, using language that we had heard in the prequels about, like, the path to unnatural practices and things like that. That's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I guess, like, eternal life is kind of what they've all been about all this time. Okay. I kind of – I can be on board with that even the way that's – retroactively tying it together a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I even – even like some of the way that that was shot with like the lightning and everything felt very horror movie esque. Mm-hmm. Like oh, like unnatural in the sense of like a horror movie unnatural. Yeah, I loved the look of the uh, the whatever the Sith place. Actually, yeah. I really thought it was cool. Um, a lot, and that's man. I know that's one I of my know. problems with this movie is it looks great the entire time. Uh. Okay, yeah, it looks good most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, There's definitely moments in this movie that are similar to in Last Jedi where, like, Rey is lifting the rocks and you're just like, yeah, that's, that's that, okay. doesn't, that doesn't look real. <laughs> yeah. Um, I Honestly, my biggest problems are just the plot. It's it's so it's so fast-paced that it's, like, impossible to keep up. The first 20 minutes you don't take a breath um, with the light speed skipping and Kylo Ren going yeah. back to see uh, Palpatine. And then Ray, what is Ray doing? I can't even remember. It's a movie that is so much more focused on getting out plot and information than it is on 
unfolding characters and uh like meaningful decisions. Yeah. And and some of the plot devices too just like don't make any sense. Like I loved the knife thing that they had to go find. Yeah, in, yeah. Like a sink like, pit. It, just like it's why? Like, it's like Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. Where they like line it up perfectly and uh <laughs> It's just I, silly. I said I said to um uh, I think Phil that uh I wanted that uh Hux to like burn the image of the knife into his hand <laughs> like the Nazi in oh, Raiders man. of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> but yeah, there's lots of there's a moment when they're caught underneath the sand with that worm thing where like she heals it and it like and it goes away and just like in the process of slithering away, it knocks open the door to the yeah. outside. <laughs> it's and it's just like, oh, so that was ridiculous. convenient. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a bunch of plot things like that. Or just like like Huck suddenly turning and he's like, I'm oh, the man. spy. And it's like, okay, they didn't set that up in the last two movies. And they try, either. and I feel like they tried to play that line for humor. Yeah. Oh, and, well, and it, it the, the dramatic, effect but the it reason it's work. funny is because it's ridiculous. Yeah. Not because it is and, a funny thing that happened. Yeah. And then his explanation is, yeah, as long as Kylo Ren doesn't win, like what are you're on the same side as him, man. If like your fates yeah. are tied together, you're going down. If he is, um, yeah, I don't, know. I don't know. That did not seem to like connect for me. Um, yeah, it, it really is mostly ex- execution because, again, like I said, I don't hate the idea of the central conflict between like Ray and Ren and all that. It's just when it comes down to how he approaches doing it, like these are the scenes that I want to be in my movie. Yes, I. The first, the like the scene with uh, at the beginning where you've got Poe Dameron and gang, like, uh, you know, getting like some speed skipping or whatever. Or, yeah, the lights. I'm just like, Meh. yeah. I was like, I don't care. Can we get past this? I think what I think what I said to Phil is like that is the sort of that is the sort of scene that should have been explained in the opening scrawl. It should have been like Poe Dameron and crew have just returned with news from a spy. Yep. Yep. Something like, like I that. didn't. And then you've got Ray as in this training montage that is like, oh, that's where she was. I couldn't even remember where she started off. That is all super ambiguous, and it doesn't feel rooted in the force. Really, it's no. just like, well, what what do we need? Well, the people didn't like that Ray doesn't seem to like be training very hard. So let's put her in some training up, some training things, obstacle course kind of thing. Yeah, and it's just it. <sighs> That like, sigh is like, all you need to know. Yeah, like that that training that training montage, like this obstacle course. Did you feel at any point like she was battling with the force and during that? No, she's um, wearing one of those like blinder shields or whatever too, so like she can't see anything. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, remember it's like nostalgia, like Luke was wearing. Yeah, the uh, the way they executed the um, like the CGI on Princess Leia. I was not a fan of. Um, I talked about this last week, how, like, they tackled it like a production company tackles it. Oh, what do we have? We have a problem. We have a dead actress. Uh-huh. So how do we fix that? CGI. Yep. It's like Peter Cushing. But, like, and, uh... a director, like, a good director looks at a sequence and says, well, in this shot, we just need a body double. We don't need CGI. Mm-hmm. In this shot, we're going to hide most of this in shadow to make that easy. Like, he, a director should be looking at each individual shot and tackling each one differently, not looking at a sequence and saying, my answer for every shot of this sequence will be CGI. Yeah. Like the it same looks answer. fake after a while. Yeah. It, it, and, like, there are, there are shots in there that they could have easily used body doubles for that they didn't – they decided not to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it looks worse. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, I think you and I both talked about this, how, like, 
the beginning and the end of the film were the worst part. Uh, the, the middle, middle part, is actually okay. Yeah, I think I would agree with you. I think the middle part is okay. It it never rises to like Last Jedi level for yeah. me. Like never, I think Last yeah. Jedi is definitely the best of the three. Um, the I, I I feel like each time I watch Last Jedi or Force Awakens, whichever one I've seen more recently, is the one I like the best. Okay, I've, I I <laughs> hands down like I think Force Awakens is fine. Um, Last Jedi is a five-star movie for me, actually. Yeah, I think last week when I talked with Josh about, like, what Force Awakens did to repair my opinion of Star Wars is, like, it's hard to overstate how much of a difference that movie made. Between that and the prequels, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, because – I went back and rewatched the prequels recently. Yeah. And those are bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and so Force Awakens has a lot of goodwill from me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay, the middle portion of the film is fine. The end of the film is where this movie really, really started to fall oh, apart man. for me. Yeah. Um, Palpatine, like, getting the ultimate power and shooting his lightning up into the sky and, like, thousands of ships falling out of the sky. I was like, all right, I am checking out. <laughs> I am done yeah, with this like, movie. <laughs> like, you know what this movie needed more of? beams into space it's like it it it, they try to end this movie the way that they tried to end marvel movies yeah where like you know you have all these ships show up like uh dr strange just warped them in at the end of the movie um oh man the ships didn't make any sense to me either it was like they're all equipped with the death star ray now and it's like and then then the rebels show up and they have every ship in the galaxy and it's like this combat means absolutely nothing because i have no idea if that is a thousand ships or a billion yeah and then i well they still tried to mirror the um rise of rise of the jedi return of the jedi uh formula (laughs) where they had the uh the sky assault and the land assault too but the land assault was just on was not on land it was it was on a freaking ship and they rode horses like space horses oh man i don't know there were a lot of space things that drove me nuts in this too uh like ray jumping out of the pod bay doors or whatever to like grab finn's hand and finn was shouting at her while he was in in space. space and i was like wait are we just ignoring the fact that there's no air in space, or what are we doing here? Well, Star, War- Star Wars has never had a problem with sound in space. <laughs> That's true. The sound, the sound. If, they, thing, if it I don't were have to have all of a sudden been silent, that would have been weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's still weird that, like, you know, he's just hanging out in in the cold vacuum of space. Like here, I know. Jump I, out and I thought me. it was kind of weird. Like, incidentally, uh, if you didn't know it, uh, I guess the Millennium Falcon uh, when. It shoots off its engines. That's not hot. Yeah, you'll be fine if you just, you know, stand Like, it, it just pushes people back. I'm like, <laughs> what the heck, guys? Come on. That should kill people, right? Like, yeah. if you stand behind a jet engine, and I'm assuming that's more powerful than a jet engine. <laughs> it uh, looks like there's plasma involved with yes, that one. Come on, guys. <laughs> like, there, there are lots of little things like that. Like, yeah. two land speeders full of protagonists that are destroyed while I'm assuming it's going at least like, 50 miles an hour. At least. And, and they're like, all fine. None of them are hurt. None of yeah. them. Even though the other the the stormtroopers that were chasing them, all four of them are dead. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know, but a lot of little things like that where it's just <laughs> okay. like, oh, just gloss over. Anyways, back to the end of the end movie. of the movie. Um. So yeah, that final part when uh Ray dies and then comes back with Kylo Ren's kiss. Yep. Um. That also felt like uh like Matrix Revolutions to me, where I was just like, this is totally unearned, and I hate everything about yeah. this moment right now. 
Um, I don't know. Just the whole healing thing with Ray too. Like, I wish that would have been set up in a previous. Like, why movie. wasn't that even set up in the beginning? Uh, like training montage. Yeah, you have to use like, a random like, worm. Like that you, you're, gonna you're already you're already ha- doing this training montage because you feel like you need to do it. Mm-hmm. Why don't you fill it with content that actually has something to do with your movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of just watching her run around and jump over rocks and trees for, like, five minutes. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, what about the final scene? What did you think of the final scene where uh, she goes to go bury um, Luke and Leia's lightsaber? I just – everything – it's so poorly written. Yeah. Um, like, like there, I have no problem with the idea that she would take the name Skywalker – like that, but it's just so cheesy too. Like, but the way the that old it's lady scripted, is just there to ask her that question. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, like you have to you have to make here. that feel more natural. Yeah. Um. Because there's definitely a way of writing that scene. Yeah. Where like she buries those, where she like buries the lightsabers and like goes into town or whatever, and somebody the asks her, the or something yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, anything like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that it just there are so like I said so many scenes like the temptation of Ray. Um, like all the stuff with Palpatine at the end where like, I don't buy for a second that she's tempted. No. Whereas in like return of the Jedi, the entire time, like, even though, you know, Luke's not going to turn, Mm -hmm. you don't feel that way. Yeah. Like you feel like he really is on the edge. Yeah. And I never felt that way with Ray. And that's the tension of this move of these movies. Like you need to have that. You need to, you need to believe that the, the force is so powerful and so tempting that it can corrupt even the most pure intentioned person. Yeah. And you just do not get that feeling in this movie at all. Yeah. I don't know. Um, parts that you liked. I actually kind of enjoyed the force connection between Ray and uh, so did I. Uh, Kylo. I think that's one of the more interesting things that they, they've done with it. Um, I also thought Kylo was like the coolest character. Um, I also think he's completely underutilized <laughs> throughout the entire series. I don't think he's underutilized in the first two because yeah. the, the first two lean so hard on him. Okay. Um, I think but this he, last one. For yeah. Sure. I think he is guess, what carries these films to another level. Yeah. It's it, just without, his character arc was like, it didn't, it didn't completely satisfy. Yeah. Without Adam driver in that role, the, this trilogy doesn't work. That is a very accurate. Cause statement. he's such a strong actor and, uh, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, they're all they're they're all they're fine. fine. I think but Oscar Isaac is a great actor. Too, yeah, but, but they're 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 not carrying these movies in the way that like Harrison Ford did. Mm-hmm. You know, in, yeah. In this, Adam Driver is carrying these movies. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So all right. So about uncut gems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's uh let's move from one story of tragedy to another. <laughs> yes, seriously, <laughs> a better story of tra- tragedy though. Yeah. So uncut gems is the new movie from the Safdie brothers. Yes. Uh, they're uh, directors that Chad turned me on to, me and too. I think you as well. Yeah. Uh, um, I've seen a few of their movies now. Good time with Robert Pattinson is probably the most well known. Yeah. Uh, Heaven knows what's another really good one. I haven't seen um, that one yet. That one's about heroin addicts living in New York, and it feels. Uh, as far as cinematography goes, it feels a lot like uh, Uncut Gems and uh, Good Time. So yeah, I, th- their movies all have very similar, just very real, like it a feels, very raw feeling to them. But they sometimes feel, it feels like sleazy, almost like you're just living in gross. But places. also like grounded, like it's not sleazy for the sake of being sleazy. It's yeah. because that's the way the world is. Yeah, it it feels very. It feels a lot like a Cassavetes movie, in my opinion. It, it feels so real, like uh, like talking about Good Time, mm-hmm. uh, where 
you know, you open with, I think it's Benny, uh, is playing the, um, the character that has, uh, uh, a mental, uh, challenge and, uh, he's like talking to a caseworker and that conversation felt so real, like the, the office that they're in, the, the places that they go, like the, the, the apartment of that little girl, uh, they, they feel like, uh, those rundown apartments. Cause like I, you know, like having worked in like mission stuff and mm-hmm. things like that and, uh, you know, downtown and, uh, homeless people, people who are under, uh, uh, you know, resourced in order, you know, living in places that they shouldn't necessarily, you know, be living in. Mm-hmm. Like all of that felt so authentic and real. Yeah. So like this is this is the grime of the real world. Yeah. 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 I would agree with that. Uh, uh, I've seen a couple of their shorts, uh, which they're not always like, you know, down and terrible. Like they actually do have some stuff that uh, like is really kind of funny and like their lighthearted. Feature, which I haven't seen is Daddy Long Legs, and that's just supposed to be like a comedy about like a parent who's trying to figure out how to have a relationship with his kids. So okay, yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, but but uh, yeah, so Uncut Gems is uh, kind of uh, something we've been looking forward to a lot, especially Adam Sandler doing something serious, something that's not uh, you know his thing that he does with his crew. Um, um yeah like, like adam sandler is a really good actor but he needs to have the right role like, yeah i, I mean everybody yeah love. everyone talks about punch drunk love um, uh, marowitz stories is really good too when when he's doing something serious when he even uh i know a lot of people didn't really like is it the comedian or whatever the one where he's he plays the stand-up comedian with oh, seth uh, rogan funny people funny people yeah, yeah. um i really I thought he was fine in that i really like that movie too yeah. actually but um yeah he's great when he's got a director that is leaning into him and challenging him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he really found that, um, with the Safdie brothers, uh, he plays a Jewish, uh, jewelry. I don't know. Kind of huckster. He's, he's like a jeweler that like he, yeah, he kind of, uh, he, he, caters to people who like have a lot of money yeah he's, um, he's going for big sales he's not a jeweler like down on the corner yeah he's a jeweler that kevin like in the movie that kevin garnett arranges to have a private meeting to yeah. see some of his finest things like yeah he's got a bulletproof uh glass entryway yep. that like is double locked so he has to have like you have to get buzzed in kind of thing you know like, he's selling pieces that are like you know he's wanted to auction one of them off for like a mil- almost a million dollars yeah but he's like gonna go down to 650 or something yeah. like like that you know like these are the dollar levels we're talking about yeah, for him so high high level uh like jeweler and he's also addicted to gambling yeah um, addicted to gambling and to unhealthy relationships yes yes very <laughs> much um so it's kind of like this chaotic world that we're just thrown into right away um his name is howard ratner yeah you learn a lot of things very natural naturalistically you don't have like a narrator you don't have artificial scenes where there's just like a proxy for the audience they're going like wait how does this work and somebody explains it you just watch it and you You as you watch it you realize how it works the same way as if you were just watching somebody really do it yeah like like if you were to have followed howard around for a day or well for a week or something like that this is the experience you would have kind of thing yeah, um, it's it's super intense because it, it basically he's in for a lot of money with some bad people, mm-hmm. um, gambling debts. Uh, but he's got a huge potential sale with Kevin Garnett. But because you know when you're doing like these big sales, um, and I think we've we've seen hints of this in just like our movie like experience, 
you know, when you're talk when you get into a situation where you're talking about this much money hanging on one person's performance or one person has all that money, the producer comes on set or whatever, they are allowed to make requests that seem crazy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because they hold all the cards. And so, like, you know, he lets him kind of borrow this gem. Howard lets Kevin Garnett borrow this, like, valued at a million dollar uh, uncut opal. Yeah. Uh, just for luck. Yeah. And then <laughs> um, the next day they're going to make the sale or whatever. But that keeps getting dragged out because Kevin Garnett can do whatever he wants. He's flying all over the country. And, yeah. like, yeah, it's. It's just this really messy, like, can I get this money before these guys come and break my legs or worse? Yeah. And it is so hard to watch because every time he gets any money, he just can't do anything else except call his bookie. Yeah. well, Because like, he's got a couple of opportunities in this movie to dig himself out of the hole if he just, like – Knows when to hold them. Well, and, and knows this when is, to hold them. The yeah, this is <laughs> the thing that I love about this movie too. Is like you start off and he's already like a hundred thousand dollars in debt, and then he gets like twenty thousand dollars right off the bat, and he's like, "I'm gonna go make a bet with this." And you're like, "What are you doing, man?" Yeah. Immediately. Um. And then like you find out that like I don't want to spoil too much. No, 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 no. But people need like it's an intense movie. Um. Certainly, it's not for the faint of heart. But if you if you're well-versed in cinema, if you just like unique cinema, uh, if you like movies that will grip you and not let go for the entire time, mm-hmm. like this is this is a movie for you. I uh, I said I said in my review that this uh, the movie kind of feels like it takes one step forward and two steps back and then two steps forward and one step back kind of the entire time. Yeah. Because Howard is constantly in like in and out of hot water. But it's not just in and out of hot water with like the mobsters. It's like with his girlfriend and his wife. Uh, like, yeah, there's just so many different people that he's in trouble with all the time uh, that it feels like he's getting assaulted all the time. Yeah. So it just and, makes for a very uncomfortable two and I, hours and 15 minutes. And but like, it's what, awesome if you what like What we were pros. talking about before the podcast, like, what's great about the Safdie brothers is because of how real everything feels, although like they do some hyper realism stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because it feels so real, you end up really growing to care for this person that is very despicable. Yeah. Uh, that's what they excel at doing is like draw is like here is a character that is horrible mm-hmm. and we're going to we're going to make you actually care about a person you shouldn't care anything about because these problems are his own making. Yeah. Like, but- like he's his own worst enemy, but they're not 100 percent. His. Yeah. There's like, like a scene where a bet gets canceled just because he owes money to somebody else and that completely screws him over for like another twenty minutes of the movie. And 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 from a certain point of view, that's his fault because he, he got he, into that game because he got in the into that place. problem in the first place. But from another perspective, it's like, dude, that other guy just shot himself in the foot because he would have had the money to pay you yep, back and now exactly. he doesn't. You know, it's just like this, this constant cycle of in and out of trouble. And, <laughs> oh, and what man. it what it does is it, it it gets you over the hump of just looking at this person. Person as someone who has a problem that they refuse to confront and get you past that kind of judgmental moment to the point of, oh, this is a person that has a problem, not that they can't confront, but that they are always confronted with and they have not been able to beat it. Mm-hmm. They are at its mercy. Yeah. And they are in a life or death struggle. And so he is clinging by the fingernails to every possible long shot chance that he might be able to save his life by placing this bet. Yeah. Like you get it. Yeah. It, it, 
it's yeah, you really... said that it feels like a survival story, and it absolutely does. Yeah. Like, it feels like he's constantly not... trying to just get on, get on top of the water. Just, yeah, like, yeah. get out it's, of there. It's not a situation where you feel like this guy is trying to land a big score so that he's set up for the rest of his life. No. You know, it's not that. It's, I need to get this deal for $650,000. Yeah. And if I don't, I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> So it's a very intense movie. Um, I think it's amazingly filmed. There's a lot of stuff that's kind of surreal too, yep. um, which I love. So like I love the – like we talked about how realistic their filmmaking is. But then they also have extremely surrealistic moments where like – Because they uh, spend a lot of time in like the credit sequence I think like oh, just yeah. kind of like zooming into this opal. Yeah. And... So like the fir- like after – the first scene is like these miners getting uh, the opal out of the mine. And uh, the way that the credit sequence starts is it zooms into the opal and you just like go into this like galaxy star scape kind of thing which is what reminded me a lot of like enter the void with Gaspar yeah. no way yeah um and then there's a couple other parts like that too like uh when kevin garnett is first looking at the opal uh and uh adam sandler is like yeah if you look into those things they say you can see the entire universe and you just get yeah. sucked into it and then you're just like whoa what the heck and then you break back to reality again and then the very end also kind of goes it's probably a minute long sequence where it's yeah. just like uh going crazy at the end so but yeah it's awesome it is it is really good i i know you said that you think it's it's cracking your top 10 for it's i i think it's one of the best thrillers of the decade i don't okay. know if That's it's it i don't know if it's in my top 10 thrillers i think it's in like probably the top 20 easily um i think dennis villanueva like obviously his films are pretty great and i think like i don't know like Scorsese did awesome with Shutter Island, but like, what else do we have this year? Like in the 2010s. Yeah. So <laughs> no, it's 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 really great. Um, I'm hoping that this will be the start of more good things for the Safdie brothers. I think they got a really good break with Good Time and getting Robert Pattinson that got them some attention, yep. and this is going to get them even more. So yeah, I'm really excited to see what they do next and yep. see how like this this movie shakes out because I think it's got. It's got really divisive reviews. Some people hate this movie. Some people love it. Most of the critics love it. The audience score is like split, I think, right now. Yeah, like don't 50%. go into it thinking that it's going to be a typical Adam Sandler movie. Uh, we've heard that there are groups out there that go to see their favorite uh, Billy Madison and uh, Happy Gilmore star in the light romp on uncut gems and it uh it, it ends up being uh not so much the a rated the ra- yeah, just... not so much the rated r comedy that they thought it was going to be yeah. <laughs> it does have some funny parts though um, it does I, I definitely laughed out loud multiple times yes, in this movie. because yeah. <laughs> so. there is a very like there is a, a certain dark comedy to um his performance. addiction and depression and yeah. like i don't know like you, you know it when you see it you, you yeah. just you, i see the way that he is with gambling and i'm just like oh man dude i know your pain like <laughs> i'm not in gambling but i've got that in me yeah. too uh, yeah. yeah so <laughs> yeah exactly cool well uh let's just uh get into a little bit of a rundown then because we haven't really talked about what we've been watching the last few Heck weeks yeah. um over the holidays uh See, I picked up uh well, my mom and dad got me Hero, um, which is a martial arts film starring Jet Li. Uh great movie. Yeah, I really like this one. Um I I like it a little less now, uh being older and understanding more of like who China is um mm-hmm. as a world player. Um <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> makes, makes me not so much of a fan of some of the like obvious meddling from a uh, totalitarian government. Uh, 
that that revolves around the theme of this movie. Yeah. But it is an extremely beautiful movie. Um, they kind of do the cinematography based on the four seasons, if I remember right. Yeah, right? the the colors of it are absolutely amazing mm-hmm. and beautiful. Uh, the martial arts sequences are definitely that like wuxia style. Um, they're you know not necessarily realistic, but mm-hmm. um, like that fluidic dance kind of choreography and. Uh, I really like that sort of thing, like yeah. ha- uh, House of Flying Daggers or Crouching Tiger. But yeah. um, it's uh, basically basically uh, this assassin and how he kills the three assassins that are after the main king that's trying to unify China and um, kind of a, a morality tale about sacrifice and uh, unity and the cost of it. And, um, yeah, it's a really great movie. Yeah, it is. I would agree with that. <laughs> Um, so I watched a movie called Hagazasa, um, which is a foreign film and it's also kind of like an independent, uh, horror film. Uh, it's kind of just about this woman, uh, living in isolation and everybody in this town thinks she's a witch. And so they just kind of avoid her. Um, and then she becomes friends with somebody and something happens. Um, and it like things just kind of take a turn. Um, it's. It's a very simple movie. It's a very simple story. It's gorgeously shot. And everything is so subtle that I didn't quite pick up what was happening 100% until after the movie was done. Mm-hmm. Um, but after the movie was done, I just kind of let the movie sink in. And I was like, holy cow, this is an incredibly dark movie. Um, it's absolutely gorgeous. And because most of like the violence and the horrific stuff is off screen, it's not incredibly hard to watch. But the okay. stuff that it implies is so dark. <laughs> um, is that kind of like, I mean, obviously they're very different movies, but like kind of like uh, you were never really here. How like you don't see the violence, but it's all implied. Yes, kind of like that. And it also, it feels like that a little bit too in its cinematography. Um, I feel like the, as far as atmosphere goes, it feels a lot like Eggers. Um, I wouldn't mm. say it's nearly as terrifying as The Witch. Um, but it has that kind of like unsettled atmosphere throughout the entire thing. Um, and yeah, it's, it takes place in four different chapters. One, when the woman is uh, a little girl and she's being looked after by her mother. Um, and then the second or the third chapter, the last three chapters are all when she's an adult and she's got her own kid to care for. Um, but it's a fascinating film, really well done. Um, I highly recommend it. It is definitely an art house film. So like if you don't like slower movies, you probably won't like this, but, uh, I thought it was absolutely beautiful and really well done. So cool. Cool. Heck yeah. All right. Uh, so next up, I actually wanted to ask you about, um, we started watching the Witcher. Yes. Did you finish it? I did. What did you think of it? I thought it was fine. Okay. <laughs> um, cause I got I, like, I think I had to leave towards the end of the third episode or yes. something like that. Um, I think as far as a fantasy series, it's pretty good. Um, it is very cheesy at parts. Uh, and I mean, I watched all the way through, uh, Carnival Row. So, I mean, obviously I'm going to keep watching through your, your, uh, your level of tolerance tolerance. for cheesy fantasy is way (laughs) above the average person. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, this, I think like the Witcher is a lot better than Carnival Row. Um, I think it's an all right show. Uh, it's kind of carried by Henry Cavill at parts. Um, and I also feel like this first season was kind of like a prologue season almost. Like the way that it ends is like some of the characters are starting to get together for the first time. Okay. So um, it, I, I felt like the production design was decent. Yeah. Um, it it feels it feels kind of like HBO light. 
You yes, know? it feels like Showtime or something a little bit less than that. Yeah, so, yeah, that's a because it's it's not quite up to the level of something like a Game of Thrones, but maybe something more like a Spartacus. Or, mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely didn't hate it. Um, I mean, I'd give it like probably a three out of five. I I understand that there are flaws, but I probably will watch through the second season still. So yeah, I liked mo- I liked it. Uh, I think for me, it's one of those shows that like I would watch it with a friend, but yeah. it's probably not something I would sit down and watch yeah, by myself. And I understand that. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. I'm it is more likely to do that with something like Lost in Space or yeah, and that's fair. <laughs> um, towards the latter half of the season, there are some like there's one episode with a ridiculous amount of nudity to the point where I was like, what is going on right now? <laughs> like, I was like, are well, you guys... Just, I, I better not watch that one or my mom will walk in. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. No, I, like, to the point where I made a comment on it. Like, where I was like, like, usually that kind of thing doesn't... Like, I don't care usually. Like, I've watched yeah. Infomaniac and I was like, whatever. But this was like the last 20 minutes of an episode, one of the main characters was topless. And I was like, what is going on right now? <laughs> like, this is completely unnecessary, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, so another one that I watched, uh, I watched this one with Katie, was The Report. Oh, yeah. Um, have you seen this one? I did, I yeah. Think, I wrote I thought, the review for I, it. I was going to so. say, I thought you did, did a review for it. So um, The Report is uh, another Adam Driver movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this one's on Amazon. Yeah. And it is a, uh, he is a FBI, or no, CIA analyst. No, he's FBI. No, he's working for a department of person. The, that's right. <laughs> and he he gets asked to investigate. But basically something. he gets put in charge of like writing a report about uh enhanced interrogation tactics mm-hmm. uh post 9/11 and um it's basically just the story of this multi-year like uncovering of what was going on and um I had heard I either a this American life or something or other about this before. Okay. So uh, my viewing was definitely tainted by the fact that I already knew the information in the movie. And um, uh, that does, that does, that is a huge drawback for this film because this film really is not about anybody's personal lives at all. Uh, this is a procedural, like, yeah. these are the facts. So if you already know the facts, um, it's a, it's still a good watch. Like I'm yeah. Katie really liked this movie actually. Um, and I, I can totally see why, especially if you're into like kind of that podcasting, like uncovering of a mystery, mm-hmm. uh, over a long series, kind of like a serial killer type thing. It's got a little bit of that feel to it of uncovering, um, of uncovering a mystery. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. I think also it was, uh, nice to see, um, sometimes, sometimes I get very cynical about like, uh, movies and what they can accomplish. And like, on the one hand, I'm, I, I really believe in movies. I really believe that they have, uh, an amazing power to, uh, raise the human spirit, um, to improve the world that we live in. But sometimes it also feels like, man, we just make so many movies about the same thing and history keeps still, still keeps repeating itself and nothing's ever going to change. And, you know, that cynic side of me sets in and like just sitting here and like seeing my wife watching this and discovering the, this information and for the first time and, um, having her look up like, wait, I didn't know that. And then she's like, well, wait, then what about the movie zero dark 30 and looking that up and being like, Oh, that's just full. That's got like a bunch of CIA lies in it and stuff. And like seeing like that, uh, a movie really can affect somebody. And cause she, she started at like kind of down this rabbit hole of like, man, no wonder like these people don't like us or yeah. like, you know, then she was asking me about like the Contras and stuff like that. And, um, it's, 
it reminds me of the power that film has, like an explanatory power, a convincing power that uh, I think sometimes I get very cynical uh, about. So uh, I really enjoyed watching that with Katie. Yeah, I think I gave it a 3.5. I, I would agree with you. Like if you know the information, like I already knew the information going in. Right. Um. So it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, here we go. We're going to rehash this. And it was just kind of like. I don't know, watching the same thing over right, and over Right, but, again. If, somebody, but was, if somebody doesn't know that information, yeah. you can see where, like... That would be completely e- fascinating. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and it was... I thought they did it... A, 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 I thought it was pretty well done. I did not think yeah. it was, like... I don't think it's going to go on to win anything. But no, I, think it was I don't good, either. Good it's not It's not Spotlight. It's, you know, yeah. it's not one of those. Yeah. Um, but it, it, is, it is interesting. Yeah. Uh, I watched a movie called Light of My Life, uh, and it's directed, written, and starring Casey Affleck. Um, and it's about, uh, it's like 10 years after, uh, a plague has wiped out most of the female population. Um, he and his immune daughter are living in the wilderness kind of, um, and they just kind of survive in the woods, uh, and then they go into town whenever they have to. Um, but because she's growing older, she's starting to develop more like a girl and people are starting to notice that she's not a boy. Mm. Um, and so like men start to and come problems seek after. ensue yes exactly problems ensue um and they have to flee pretty much flee their campsite um and it's just kind of about them trying to survive um in this wilderness while like casey affleck doesn't know which many can trust and which many can't kind of thing um so it's kind of intense at times it feels a lot like the road um i don't know if you've okay seen yeah, that movie yeah. uh with vigo mortensen but uh yeah it, i thought it was really well done um, it's a bit yeah, predictable. I see, th- I see that on the shelf at work all the time. Yeah, yeah. I gave it a four star, so that review is posted wow. tomorrow if you guys want to see it. But um, yeah, it's a little bit slower at parts, and it's predictable. I mean, the entire thing is like, is there going to be a confrontation? So obviously the final act is a confrontation. So <laughs> you know where the movie is building towards. But um, yeah, no, it's it's really well done, though. Um, and some of the cinematography is absolutely gorgeous. It's, it looks like it's shot in like the Pacific Northwest. So um, lots of really cool stuff out there. So, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Cool. Uh, did we ever talk about The Watchmen on the show? I don't think we did. I don't know if we talked about the final episode. No. Let's, so, so let's talk Watchmen for a second. <laughs> okay, that's I think I think we toyed around with the idea yeah. of it. Uh, we were talking about it when the photographer was here, I think. Oh, maybe that was it. Okay, yeah. So uh, Watchmen on HBO. Uh, is it eight or nine episodes? I think it's nine episodes. Nine episodes, uh, short run series. Yeah. Um, I love the original Watchmen movie mm-hmm. with Zack Snyder uh, that Zack Snyder made. Yeah. Uh, I like the graphic novel. So I was pretty nervous about I mean, it took me several episodes of you telling me it was great to it get me great. on board. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I'm just – I'm not an early adopter. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. But I, fi- I finally heard enough good things that I was like, all right, let's check this out. Uh, and – I don't know if I could be more pleased with an adaptation of like an adaptation reboot re- sequel whatever you want to call it like yeah. because it it's a little of everything. Yeah. Um it it's definitely a sequel um because it takes place like 30 years after the original. You know, although it does change some of the things that happened in the movie and accept the the stuff that happened in the book instead. Yeah. So like, um but nothing like super like crazy uh-huh. uh I it doesn't it doesn't like ruin the movie no and like for me i look at them as two separate entities like yeah. i don't even think of like this as a sequel to zack snyder's movie i think of this as a sequel to the graphic novel yeah the- um much like i think of dr sleep as a sequel to stephen king's the shining and not stanley kubrick's the shining but yeah and like the the way that it does i mean 
we talk all the time about how I love cyclical storytelling and yeah. all that. And this movie is, I mean, like every character has got its analog- analogous partner. Like mm-hmm. you've still got a Rorschach. You've still got an owl uh, man. You've still mm-hmm. got like everything. Uh, the The conflict is framed in a way that I think is far more relatable to today's audiences mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to like the, the fear of a nuclear threat in the eighties, mm-hmm. uh, which was much larger. Obviously if you make a movie that's about that today, it feels a little, I don't know. It's not really the thing that we're scared of anymore. It's more terrorism now. And this yeah. is what this one focuses on. Is um, And really around terrorism. the racial conflict and how, what's, what I love about it is that it gets the idea of um, the real conflicts that are happening are not about what you think they are. Like on the surface, it like this show is about racism. Yeah. But it's really about how racism and the issues of racism are used by powerful people to manipulate people. Like it's. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's so good. It's... But beyond beyond the themes, it's just a great story too. Like I love yes. the, like some of the stuff that they've done with Ozymandias, uh sending him out to uh the moon on Jupiter and yes. just like having him live in this like Eden place for a long and time. And I thought I was gonna hate True. Yeah. Uh in her first episode, but I ended up like really liking what they did with her character. And I feel like I feel like that with a lot of the characters. I was a little like oh, at <laughs> yeah. first, but then as it developed and the characters came out and everything, it really filled out nicely and Um I think my favorite episode is the penultimate one where there it's the God walks into Avar. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just the whole thing is the cyclical like her talking to Dr. Manhattan in this bar and you just flash back and forward and all of the things just start to line up and you're just like holy cow he's planned this from the beginning. <laughs> like well and it's I, it's also like that um the the series of pages in the graphic novel where um you know I think there's like nine nine uh panels on a page mm-hmm. and uh it's like the top left one in each one of these pages will be part of the same story. Um, oh, the, but they're all happening simultaneously uh, because they're happening to Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. And that, that season is like those pages. Yeah. Cause he exists or he perceives he is outside the existence of time or he perceives time in a different way. Yeah. So he can live in every moment at once. Yeah. Which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I know like we, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't care for the ending, the last scene. Um, oh, with the with the egg. With the whatever. egg, yeah. yeah. Um, I I felt like uh, it would have been better. To me, it it kind of. Um, I know they were trying to lay the groundwork for future, for like possible future yeah. uh, series down the road. Maybe um, they're not saying for sure, but I, I. This is one of the few times I feel like I would have preferred a little ambiguity maybe or even some uh a little, I still think it was ambiguous. Or still like uh I don't know what I'm what I'm after with it, but I feel like there's something about her eating the egg to gain those powers or whatever that just like kind of spoiler. <laughs> I might cut that out. <laughs> we're, we're talking about the very last scene here. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it's fine. I yeah, honestly I, think it works for me. I, I felt like uh, it it was it was kind of sad to me because uh, like she was being 
told by like like so much of the show is about uh Should uh, anybody have this power kind right of thing? and then at the end like for somebody to be like yeah, I want. I, I was just like, no, like you missed the whole point of it. The whole point of it is that no one should have that power. Yeah, but I mean, doesn't Ugh. that have like a cool character twist where if we have something happen and if if they end up going forward with a season two, I understand why they would want to lay the groundwork that. Oh, way. I understand that too. I just think from like a thematic like perspective, I'm like, ah, oh, I feel like that compromises. Yeah, the message of it a bit. So. Yeah, I I don't know. I thought it was fine. Um. I, I can see where you think the themes are a little bit muddled there. But I, I don't know. I thought it, it worked perfectly well, too, because it was like him passing on his powers to someone who he truly believed was good enough. So maybe there is fault in Dr. Manhattan, too, because, I mean, like, I don't know. Well, he can't see past his own existence, right? Yeah, and he can't see past. So he doesn't like, know. Yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I think that's going to do it for us this week. I think so. All right. So uh, be sure to check us out on Facebook or Instagram. Like and comment. Share our posts uh, You know, for hundreds of movie reviews from a spiritual or cinephile perspective. Visit truemythmedia.com. And we will say farewell, friends. Peace. Peace.